book of Ezra and Esther. I don't know if that helps you a lot, but that's where it is. And, and so we started two weeks ago a series called Under Construction. And I really started in the book of Matthew. We talked about the end of, of chapter 7, book of Matthew, where Jesus is finishing the Sermon on the Mount. And he said there were two builders. And one built on sand and the other one built on rock. One of the truths I wanted to extract from that particular portion of scripture is that when you build by doing nothing, you're still building. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine and doesn't do them. In other words, he does nothing. He is building. And so the the truth of it is this, and I've been saying this for two weeks now, is that inactivity is activity. How many of you know doing nothing is doing something? Amen. So you don't have a choice as to whether or not to build. You don't have a choice as to whether or not storms come. They come. The only choice we have is the foundation that we choose. If we hear his words and obey, we build on rock. If we hear these words and do nothing, we build on sand. But we are building. And then last week, we, we really said that we're going to spend the rest of this series, which is today and the next week, we're going to spend it in the book of Nehemiah. And we started in chapter 1, and I think God just gave me a great truth in chapter 1, where Nehemiah asks a question uh, of a man who visited him. He said, how are my brethren doing? How's everybody back home? In other words, Nehemiah was a laborer. He was a nine to five guy. He was not a pastor. He was not a priest. He he was not a prophet. He was just a laborer. He was just a regular guy. But God called him to an extraordinary purpose. And we're going to talk about that today. He was a cupbearer for the king. In other words, you could kind of say it like this. He was a butler. He was in the king's house. And so he served the king. And he met one of his countrymen and he just said, hey, how are things back home? And he hears this report back and the report was from this man giving an account of how things were back home. The report was things are terrible. Things are tragic. Your countrymen, my countrymen, they're scattered and the walls of the city of Jerusalem have been torn down. Now, listen to to what the Bible says Nehemiah's reaction was. Nehemiah chapter 1, the Bible says, When Nehemiah heard these words, he actually sat down and he wept. And he began to pray and he began to fast. He began to mourn at what had happened. Now, I find it very interesting that that this was Nehemiah's first reaction. That's verse 4. Now, watch in verse number 5. The next thing the Bible says he does is he says, and I pray. I pray. And we talked about what's your reaction when you get bad news? What's the first thing you do? And Nehemiah's first reaction when he heard this tragic news was to pray. Amen? Pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray for what's going on in America. We have to pray for what's going on in our homes. We have to pray for what's happening with our kids. We have to pray. We have got to pray. Amen? We got to pray. And so Nehemiah begins to pray, but the way he prayed was so important because it actually says his prayer begins like this in verses six and seven, we have sinned. 
In fact, to be more specific, Nehemiah says it like this. My father's house and I, we have sinned. He includes himself. You know, sometimes when people hear bad news, when people go through difficult times, it is easy to play the victim card. And listen, I've been in ministry for 25 years. I've seen the victim card played over and over again. I've been invited to pity party after pity. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you have just met those people that no matter what you say, no matter how you try to encourage them, they always paint themselves into this corner where nothing is going to help. Woe is me. And it would have been very easy for Nehemiah to jump on that bandwagon and say, listen, I just want to invite you to my pity party. We're just going to weep and we're going to keep weeping and we're just going to do nothing but weep. But he said this, no, my first reaction isn't to blame others or to even blame the devil. Come on now. Now, do we, do we, is there a need for spiritual warfare? Absolutely there is. And should we point our finger at the devil? Absolutely we should. How many of you know there's a real devil, there are real demons, there's real spiritual warfare that's going to take place? That's next week's sermon, right? But the, the first thing he does, Nehemiah, is look in the mirror. He begins to look inward and said, hey, listen, I've got a part to play. Before I blame the devil, let me shut every door in my life. Let me fill every crack on my foundation. Let me make sure that I'm not building on sand, that I'm building on rock. The first thing he does is he looks introspectively and says, hey, I have sinned, even though Nehemiah wasn't there when it all took place. Come on now. It would have been easy for him to say, they sinned. They blew it. They're the ones that messed up. It's always them over there. You know what I'm saying? But Nehemiah said, no, it's me. I've got faults. I've got problems. I should have done something different. And so the first thing he does is he looks in the mirror and says, hey, hey, I repent. God, forgive me. I'm going to begin to turn this thing around, right? And so we talked about that last week, about how to fill the cracks in our foundation. I think it's so vital for us to know that we have to start by, by looking in the mirror and say, hey, it's me, it's me, it's me. I've got to, I've got to fix this thing. I have sinned, right? And, and that's so, listen, that's just the first chapter, Because as we get to the end of the first chapter, you see this thing begin to turn. Now, Nehemiah says, okay, I've sinned. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. We've sinned. We repent. But we remind God of his promise. The promise of God is this. When we turn from our sin, when we turn from our ways, God heals. Hallelujah. And Nehemiah all of a sudden begins to sense that, hey, there's a reason why I was born. There's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I'm a cupbearer. There's a reason why I'm in the king's house. There's a reason why God positioned me where he positioned me. There's a reason why I'm still alive. There's a reason why I didn't die in that car accident 10 years ago. There's a reason why I, I, I was diagnosed with that illness, but it didn't take me even though it took others. There's a reason why I'm still here. Hallelujah. Because I've said it a thousand times at this church. If you're still breathing, God's not done with you yet. Amen. And so there's purpose. Nehemiah says there's purpose on the inside of me still. And he's walking around and the king looks at him in chapter two. And the king says to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what's wrong? Something's off. 
And listen to me, church. I want you to hear it very clearly. When we're not fulfilling our purpose, when there's something inside of us that still hasn't come out yet, then something is off and it always will be off. It always will be. No matter how we succeed at other things, no matter what we attain in this world, if we're not fulfilling our God-given purpose, something is off. Hallelujah. In his book, Crazy Love, Francis Chan says this quote. He says, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding in life at things that don't really matter. That should be our greatest fear. Is that when we get to the end of our life and we look back, we've succeeded at a lot of things, but they don't really matter. Right? And so the king looks at Nehemiah and says, Nehemiah, something's off, something's wrong. You've been faithful, you've been loyal, you've done so many good things, but I could just tell there's something inside of you. There's something inside of you that's just a little bit off. There's something inside of you that's just not right. And, and so he says to Nehemiah, what is it? What's going on? And Nehemiah begins to tell him the story. Nehemiah begins to say to him, in fact, he prays this prayer, God, I gotta have favor before I talk to the king. You couldn't just ask the king for a favor and just, just assume that it was gonna be granted. There was protocol and so he prayed, God, give me favor. Have this guy show me favor. And so he goes into the king and begins to make a request of the king. King, I need some time off. I'm not quitting my job. I'm not quitting my job. Watch this. God has just called me to a higher purpose. Hallelujah. I just need a few months off. I need some time off. God's called me to something bigger than the nine to five. I'm coming back because it pays the bills. Hallelujah. I'm coming back because I got a mortgage and I got a car payment and I got kids that I got to feed. So I'm coming back. I'm going to be here. I'm going to show up. I got, I got to work. Money's good. Come on now. Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with making money. But there's something bigger inside of me that was just birthed inside of me when I heard this news. I've got to go back to my people. I've got to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. There's a purpose inside of me that is higher than just bearing a cup. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he tells the king, and and, and in fact, let's look at it. Nehemiah starts talking to the king in chapter two, and he says to the king, hey, this is the king. Verse five, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, here's my purpose, here's what I'm asking. I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs. Why? So that I might rebuild it. There's my purpose. All of a sudden, this is my destiny. This is why I'm here at this moment. This is why I'm alive. This is why God brought me to this place. It's no accident that I'm standing in front of you. It's no coincidence that I'm working in this place. There's something inside of me that I have to get out. There's a purpose. There's a destiny. And it's more than the nine to five. Now listen, it would be very easy for Nehemiah to say, hey, I'm good, man. I'm comfortable. I mean, you know, the walls, that's, that's a long ways away. Doesn't really affect me. I get to eat the best food. I get to sleep in the best bed. I get to walk around the palace. I've got this incredible job. I mean, after all, that's just for other people somewhere to rebuild. But no, Nehemiah said, no, this affects me. This is affecting me. 
I can't just go to work. I, I, I've been touched by God. I've, I, I've got a purpose on the inside of me. I spent time praying. And in my time praying, in my time fasting, God birthed something inside of me. I'll never be the same again. I can't go back to ordinary. I can't go back to normal. I can't go back to the routine. I can't go back to the nine to five. I can't go back to just, just living any other way. I can't just go back to bearing a cup. There's something inside of me that's bigger than that. Hallelujah. And he says to the king, if I found favor, can I go? Can I go and fulfill the purpose of God for my life in this season of my life? Hallelujah. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and say I've succeeded at bearing a cup. I've succeeded at, at serving a king. I've succeeded at eating the best food. I've succeeded at, at building the, the best life that I could here in the comforts of the king's palace. But yet my purpose was never fulfilled in my life. Hallelujah. I don't know. I've just, I've been driven all of my life. I don't know how you can just, just, just be ordinary. I don't know how you could do it. Now I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm so unique, but I've always felt like there's a higher calling than, than just to exist. Right? There's purpose and there's destiny. There's a calling on each one of our lives. And listen, we have got to find it. And it is in there. It is in there. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number five says this. The purposes of a person's hearts are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. In other words, there's purpose in there. It's always, it's always been in Nehemiah. It was always there. It was there before he was born. Come on now. Because the Bible says that before God knows us, he puts purpose on the inside of us. Hallelujah. And so it's always been there in Nehemiah. This isn't just something that God just recently deposited before Nehemiah was ever baby Nehemiah. Hallelujah. Before he was ever walking around as a toddler, God purposed him to rebuild walls. Hallelujah. This moment, it was this moment that it began to be drawn out of him. Amen. And he said, I've got to do it. Now is the time. Now is my season. Now is when I begin to step into what God's called me to do. And so he begins to take this journey to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Can I just give you a couple keys real quick? Very quickly, just a couple keys of how we find purpose how we find purpose, it's so, it, to me, it's, it's not rocket science because I believe with all my heart, God wants you in his will more than you want to be there. That, the, that God's not so mysterious. The Lord doesn't work in mysterious ways. No, he works in very simple, very plain ways that he puts in his word, right? It's not so mysterious, right? You can, you can figure it out if you just go, okay, there is a way to do it. And it has to start, here's how it starts. It is birthed in prayer number one. You will find it no other way. There's no other secret formula. I don't care about prophetic words as far as them, them being spoken over you and, and whether you've ever had one or not had one, you still have a purpose. Now, I love prophetic words. I've had them spoken over my life. We just had a prophet come. I love it when it happens. I, I love walking in it. But if you've never had a prophetic word spoken over your life, listen, you still have a purpose. And you say, how do I find it? You find it in prayer. Amen. 
You find it in prayer. I know sometimes when we've had prophets come and and speak over people, people walk away disappointed. Well, he didn't say anything over me. Well, God tomorrow morning will. Hallelujah. So don't get disappointed. Don't get dejected. Don't think God's forgotten you. Guess what? You still have a prayer closet you can go to and you can go in there. And let me tell you, the Bible says when you walk into that secret place, God is there. Hallelujah. And God speaks. Amen. We love prophetic words, but God still speaks. And he speaks in prayer. It was a moment of prayer in Nehemiah's life. It's when he heard the news and the Bible says he began to mourn and he began to weep and he began to pray and he began to fast. And it was in that time that God birthed something inside of him. I should say it was in that time it was revealed in Nehemiah's life. Revealed in Nehemiah's life. And, and, And listen to this. In Luke chapter number four, Jesus says these words. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Jesus is in the synagogue. He opens up, or actually he walks in and he sees that the book, the scrolls are opened up to the prophet Isaiah. And he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. Now, I look at this scripture and I go, man, there's a lot of powerful words in that scripture. But which one is the most powerful? Is it anointed? Is it spirit? Is it proclaim? Is it liberty? I mean, is, is, it, is it setting free? Is it, it, which word is the most powerful word in Luke chapter 4, verse 18? I say this, that the most powerful word in that scripture is this, because... The spirit of the Lord is upon me because. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Because. Why? I have a purpose. It is there because. Amen. There be a cause. Hallelujah. It's not good English, but that's the truth. There is a cause. There's a reason why I'm anointed. There's a reason why I'm here. And that's what you have to know. That Jesus said, I'm here to fulfill a purpose. Hallelujah. Jesus said those words in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, after 40 days of fasting and prayer. It was prayer that all of a sudden began to just refine and began to ignite and began to allow Jesus to step into his God-given purpose. It's birthed no other way. There's no other secret formula. Sometimes we hear prayer and we go, yeah, prayer, prayer. We heard that a thousand times. Well, listen, you need to hear it a thousand more, amen? Because nothing, nothing will be accomplished in your life if you're not a praying person. Amen? We have to pray. There was a a missionary that lived and and his name was William Carey, and, and he was what was called the father of, of modern missions. And he's in the 1700s, and the Bible says he actually, I mean, the Bible says, no, no, history reveals William Carey made a map, and he laid it out on his floor. And he began to pray over the nations of the world. William Carey began to go nation by nation by nation, and he began to pray. 
And he began to say, God, I thank you for Russia. He began to pray for Russia and he began to pray over the continent of Africa. He began to pray over Europe and France and, and England and, and all these different nations. And he'd just go to nation after nation after nation and pray as he's face down on this map. But when he got to India, he began to sob and he began to weep. And he'd say, God, I pray for India. And the tears began to flow. And he would stop right there because he was so overwhelmed. The Spirit of God would just come upon him. He was so overwhelmed that he said, I just, I just can't. I can't do anymore. He just began to pray for, for India. And every day he would do the same thing. He'd go nation after nation. But every time he got to India, he would just stop. And he'd be overwhelmed, travailing in prayer, tears flowing. And God said to him, William, I want you to go. And William began to go and he began to, in the 1700s, late 1700s, he went to India. And he began to evangelize and became what is, what is arguably the fam- most famous missionary of all time. William Carey did an incredible work. How did it start? It was birthed in prayer. There's a man that is contemporary here that many of you might have heard of. His name is Arthur Blessed. He has carried the cross into every nation of the world. I said every nation. Every inhabited continent, every nation of the world, Arthur Blessed has been, including North Korea. Carrying a cross. How did it happen? How did it take place? After evangelizing on the streets, which is all he did, he just went out on the streets witnessing. He came home to back to his room and God said, Pray all night. He said, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. God said, Pray all night. And he prayed all night. And at 2 a.m., he saw a cross on the wall and God spoke to him and said, I want you to build a cross and I want you to identify my name around the world and he built the cross and he began to travel and he's been to every nation in the world carrying the cross how did it happen it is birthed in prayer it's birthed in prayer and how did Nehemiah get this incredible purpose lit on the inside of him it has to be birthed in prayer birthed in prayer the second thing is it is formed in serving it's formed in serving As we begin to serve, as we begin to to say, okay, purpose doesn't just happen through through the prophetic words, which we want. We, 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 We embrace the words of a prophet or words that are spoken over us, but it doesn't just happen. We have to serve. We, we have to say, okay, I'm willing to do something that is extraordinary and put feet to my prayers. Now that I've prayed, now that I've seen it lit inside of us, I've got to work. Hallelujah. It doesn't just happen. I've got to do something. Amen. And work in the kingdom of God is called serving. Hallelujah. It's called serving. Jesus actually fulfilled his purpose by taking the form of a servant himself. Serving. That's how our purpose is formed as we're serving. Listen, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, how, how David killed Goliath. But do you know how David even got to the battlefield? Do you know how David even stood before a king? You know how David even got to the place where he stood and confronted the giant? He got there by serving. 
He was a shepherd boy, and his father said to him, David, your brothers are off there. They're fighting an army. Here's some cheese. I want you to take the cheese, and I want you to bring it to your brothers. And so here he is just toting the cheese. Come on now. He's just just walking with some cheese, and he walks right into his God-given purpose. Hallelujah. By serving. Listen, nobody came up to me as I was doing nothing in life and said, hey, I want you to preach for me Wednesday night. Nobody ever did that to me. You know what I started doing? I started showing up on Wednesday nights at Trinity Church International, or I should say Wednesday afternoons before the service, and I set up 170 chairs in Hawkins Hall every Wednesday night, week after week after week after week. These hideous, ugly, brown, bent-legged chairs that never got back together normal, that stuck together, I sat them up Week after week after week, you said, well, how much did they pay you? Oh, I'll tell you how much they paid me. They paid me all of nothing. Hallelujah. My first year of ministry, guess how much money they paid me? All of nothing. Hallelujah. Listen, I just said, I want to do something. I've toted more chairs. I told somebody, in fact, we had an event the other night. I told somebody, I got a degree in setting up chairs and tables. I have a master's degree in that and clapping. Those are my two degrees in life. You have to have them to go into ministry. And that's how you, that's how you, that's how you find your purpose. Listen, it doesn't find you. You find it. Come on now. You have to serve. You have to serve. The third thing is this. What in the world happened to my iPad? It just, it just freaked out on me. Number one, third thing is this. It's focused on people. It's focused on people. And let me tell you, it always be focused on people. Do you hear me now? Yes. Nehemiah began to fulfill this incredible purpose of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now watch this. Because he asked one question. How are my brothers? How are my people doing? How's my family? Come on now. He didn't ask about walls. He didn't ask about walls, right? He asked how the people doing. How's everybody back home? They're scattered, Nehemiah. They're not there. The walls have broken down and he's building the walls back up, not so that we can look at nice new Shiny walls. He's building walls back up so people will come back because it's always about people. Last week we announced that Pastor Alex and Melissa are heading to Melbourne area, which is, there's a town there, city there called Vieira. You say, well, why would you go? To, to build a church, to have uh, uh, walls and, and a roof? No, 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 it's never about that. It's never about status. It's never about symbols. It's never about titles. It's never about that. It's always, and they'll tell you themselves, it is always about people. There's people waiting there. There's just people. It's always about people. Listen, I've done a lot of funerals in my life. I've attended a lot of funerals. I've officiated a lot of funerals. And and when we do a funeral, there's certain things we focus on, right? Right? And I remember this guy up in North Florida who was a friend of mine and and he was always talking about building an underground house. 
it got so annoying, I just couldn't, I couldn't even have a conversation with him anymore. Because all he talked about was this underground house. This, I've got to build an underground house. We got all oh, this, you know, then it's, then the, the heat will just stay in and the, 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 the cool will stay in. It'll just be awesome. And as he's telling me more and more about this underground house, when I did not even want to hear about it, okay? Uh, these unsolicited stories that he was offering me. I thought to myself, I wonder if when the day comes and he's laid to rest, are we going to put a picture up of that underground house? Here lies so-and-so. His greatest contribution to the world was that he lived in an underground house. Listen, I've done lots of funerals. I'll tell you what I've never done. I've never seen at any funeral. Nobody's ever put up a picture of the house they lived in. Nobody's ever put up a picture of the car they drive. Come on now. I've never seen that happen at a funeral. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying your stuff. And if you work hard, enjoy it. But that's not our purpose, right? That's not our purpose. That's just stuff we enjoy. Nothing wrong with it. Just stuff, though. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Our purpose is always about people. 